Well, it's 531, so I feel like we should get started. Um, first on the agenda is just introdu uh, introductions and uh, instructions. So I'll do the instructions really quick uh, for our hybrid meeting. Thank you for coming. This meeting is being recorded and will be posted on the city's YouTube channel within 48 hours uh, of the actual meeting time. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking for those on video. Um, and the chat function of this public meeting is disabled. All chat functions will, or, will go directly to me. If you hear, are hearing too much sidebar conversation, let us know because we just have general mics on the table. So you have to be thoughtful about that as we're having this meeting. Um, and for anybody not participating, you can turn off your video um, to not crowd the screen. At some point, we'll show us, share some documents um, if we want to. And, um, if you're having trouble seeing anything um, or accessing anything, you can send me a chat. We reserve the right to mute people or turn off video to minimize distractions during the meeting. Um, we'll go ahead and go around online. David, Dot, and Pat, if you want to introduce yourselves, and then we'll do in-person introductions. Okay. Uh, David Carter, um, Lawrence Douglas County uh, Metropolitan Planning Commission City Appointee. Uh, Pat Collette, uh, representative of the Multimodal Transportation Commission. Hi, Dot Neri, representative of Live Well, Healthy Built Environment Committee. Ed Jankowski, I represent the city of Eudora. Josh Spence, uh, Pickney Neighborhood Association Vice President and Land Vice Chair. Matt Goff, uh, representing the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce. Charlie Thomas, I'm on the Planning Commission appointed by the County Commissioners. Thank you so much, everyone. All right, we have posted for your information on the agenda uh, under B meeting notes, the meeting notes from the December 6th meeting. So that's for your information. Um, we'll get right on to the agenda items. We have updated for you um, the appendices B for public engagement. Um, I believe that the summary of that engagement starts on page 55 of that appendices for survey two. Here, if we can go through it in a second, specifically, we had a short public engagement period for phase two, um, a few weeks of a survey out online on Geo Tell Us. We had um, an open house, three open houses, one in person and two virtual, of which of all of them, we've got about 10 participants at. Um, the most was at the in-person in the library. Um, we anticipated this to be a lesser engagement phase because we're asking a lot of anybody who participated to respond to documents we put out. So we had boards that presented all of the goal areas and the objectives or strategies, and we're asking people to consume information and respond back. So um, we, we typically get far fewer um, responses when we're in phase two. So in that regard, um, we had less responses starting on page 55 in that appendices. If you want to take a look, there is, um, there are the few pages at the end of this document that um, show the questions that we asked about those goals and objectives, um, and the responses that we got. Um, many of the responses were about specific direct services, um, related to, uh, some of the contents, um, and we had a chance to take a look look through these. Um, if you had a chance to review any of them, is there anything that stood out to you that you'd like to talk about? David, you raise your hand. Yeah, I just raised my hand because uh, I got a dead uh, link 404 for that uh, for that URL, so I wasn't able to uh, review. You have to clear your cache or add the B in public. 
Oh, okay. I had it wrong and I refreshed it, but it, but I don't know why that's what happened. Okay. See if you can get it there. All right. Jessica, could you e possibly uh, email that? Can I just send it in the chat? Uh, that would be good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Super. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry, I realized that and we fixed it, but if you had clicked it at all, it would be an old version. Got it. Thank you. Okay. So I don't, I don't know that we need to read through all these specifically unless there was something that stood out to anyone at this point in the process that anybody would like to talk about. If we read it and have comments, can we get in touch with you later? Yes. Okay. Um, we'll talk a little bit about timeline of that because the relevance of when you get me something matters of what I can do with the information you give me. So, okay. Um, and we can just talk about that now. So I, we gave you a lot of homework, right? Um, in terms of we posted more updated drafts, we've given you some new content, um, and we didn't give you a whole lot of time probably for the, and considering all that content, you know, we tried to give you stuff over time. Um, we are getting to the point in our public process where we are looking for final comments tonight on this draft to be for anything that we need to be thoughtful about before we take it to the MPO Technical Advisory Committee and the MPO Policy Board. And their next steps are going to be to release it for a 30-day public comment period. And that's a federally required process. It's part of our public participation plan that the MPO has. And we will do a... Uh, Post a draft of this document and uh, probably put up an either an MPO tell us portal just open ended question where anybody can submit final comments on the entire draft of the document. At that point in time, during that 30 day public comment period, you'll notice there is uh, some content in this document still where we have photos to add, we have some editing to do, there's a few grammatical errors. Um, we will be hopefully uh, fully staffed so we can um, finish some of those things up. And we would, of course, like to have had that done before we get to that point. And we're going to do the best we can before we release that. But that final public comment period will be the opportunity for us to collect all those final comments. Anything then that we receive during that final public comment period, we address in terms of public comment. So we have a precedent for saying, this is either included already, we received your comment, We've incorporated or made a change, and then we would take that comment and bring it back to you for any final consideration and comments about what we did in relationship to the comment we heard before we take it to the Technical Advisory Committee and to the MPO Policy Board in March for their consideration of adoption of this plan. Um, and March is our deadline where our T2040 expires. Um, and so we need to adopt a new plan before that expires. Otherwise, we cannot, in the meantime, do other things, which include amending our transportation improvement program or programming funding, federal funding in our region. Our, our tip, our transportation budget is frozen if we don't accommodate that by March. So we are on a timeline to do that by March um, to be on schedule with that. So Dot, in terms of comments, yes, there's still opportunity. I think if you read this now and you have comments, um, or other things you could, you know, if you get it to me before next Tuesday, it's things I can maybe adjust before I post something on Thursday for the for the uh, for the MPO policy board. Um, if it's after that, then it's just going to need to be a consideration that I evaluate either 
from the public comment period perspective or from this final group's comments in relationship to the final draft and final feedback you have before we're looking at approval. Good, thank you, that's, that's helpful. Okay. Yeah, I think that probably matters for all the content and questions that we have on the agenda tonight. It's not too late. This is really the first opportunity where we're really trying to understand, are, is there big content we're missing? Is there details we have wrong? Is there something high level where the content that we put out to the public is not, is not clear enough? As we get into the, some of the other stuff, the you know, some of the tech, like I know there's some maps we got to go back and change color or fix labeling on or doing some stuff for legibility. It won't change the content of what's on the map. We just need to make it better. And we have it where it's a work in progress and some ends in regard to some of that. So, um, but I will take any of those comments. We will get them in the workflow. Jessica. Yes. Hi, this is August Budisal. I'm a PTAC member. I'm having a medical emergency with my dog. So I'm going to sign off. I just want to okay. let you know. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you guys so much. So this comment is here. It's in this process. We have some other, um, with so few respondents, I didn't put together the demographic stuff because it may be attributable too close to a personal responses because there's so few responses in this, but we have an ability to look at that and we, will, we can put that together. Um, and talk about that if we need to. At this point, though, it's so low in terms of kind of number of responses. It's 13 at this phase compared to the you know 700 from the first phase. That this is really you know we're asking a lot more people. Um, but we send this out on our listserv and post it on social media. And um, it's it probably intimidating to some people if you go to this level of survey and look at it though. And we we know that, um, but it's part of the process. So. Any other thoughts or comments about where we are or any of the public comment that we've received or process we've done at this point in time? Jessica, uh, how many responses did you get? Did I, I think I missed that as far as um, of the phase two, Yeah, of the phase two survey, we got 13 responses. How many? 13. Okay, thank you. 13. Okay. Okay. So item number two, chapter six and seven, this is all new content. Well, most of it's new content, right? You saw the goals and objectives already at a high level in terms of the thing. Chapter six is taking that a step further. Um, and I'm gonna go, we'll go look at that in a second. And so all throughout this, this chapter, you should see. Um, building on the previous conversation we've had about goals, objectives, and strategies laid out um, to those areas, each of those strategies um, in a way that lays out the activities aligned under those strategies. Um, and when it's appropriate, the financial constraint, which is basically our technical terminology for what do we project as the reasonable budget that will be available in the region based on historical expenditures to spend on pedestrian projects um, versus the projects that are committed in um, city, cities or counties uh, capital improvement programs. And so um, some of these numbers, if you'll notice this and or in the financial chapter have changed since you may have looked at the last financial chapter. Um, since you've seen that last, Baldwin City submitted uh, financial information to us. 
the state uh, DOT significantly changed uh, some of their financial projections based on more accurate historical estimate of a 10-year estimate. And um, the county CIP uh, was adopted and there's been reflection and changes of some of that in relationship to all of these project lists. So if you see, if you notice, if you go back to an earlier draft of the, any of the financial stuff, you'll notice it's significantly different. Um, and the nature of that is gonna be, for example, the previous projections for state money were like 2.5 million a year and they're now closer to 30 million a year um, based on a, a shorter term 10 year history. Um, and so they've chosen to calculate their fiscal constraint in that way. So there's a large magnitude of change over out to 2050 over 20 plus years because of that. So um, we know that they look very different. Um, so if you, if you did take a close look at that, you'll notice that in this process. Um, as we go through this, though, you'll hopefully have seen some of the more detail that, that we were talking about last time in terms of laying out the expectations for the work and some of the details of the work that's happening under these specific strategies. Um, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into. I'm happy to skim through them. Is there a specific thought about that? This may be minor. <clears throat> But I noticed on page five, one of the goals is to develop a culture that supports multimodal transportation. Wow, <laughs> that's huge. Um, but what what activities do you think will be, there it is, yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's like changing mindsets. So I just wondered um, through activities. Yeah, and that's in our bicycle and pedestrian plans. Okay. So some of this language is literally directly pulled from the strategies written in those plans, but we didn't pull every, like we didn't go into the state process school plan and you know, there's a list of- Okay, yeah, I get it Maybe now. a That's list good. of 20 strategies. we tried to reflect in these bullets the intent of those strategies without literally rewriting all right. of the content of those plans because by referencing them in this document, those plans are directly incorporated into this work. So much- but I do agree, that's not a little statement. I know. That, so much of this I, is coordination and cooperation. I mean, it's so multifaceted. It's uh, it, you've done a great job. I just looked at that and said, "Oh my God, that's like another hundred pages." So, yeah, and so <laughs> I think in the context of how this document is to be used, it is in that sense a large, comprehensive vision for the region, and it's you know for different players that this language means different things in this plan. So. Let me, let me give you an example. So for transit specifically, as they're working to implement their strategies and projects, or they're going out for, for example, for a federal grant like the low to no uh, emissions vehicle grant, they're going to use the language in this plan that speaks about zero emission vehicles, meeting sustainability goals at a high, at a high level um, in, in that work to be able to support this is the direction we want to move in, and there's probably a lot of programming project work that has to happen under, under that. So, um, but yeah, I do agree that if you think we need more detail here, I think we don't know, we know some of the things this means, right? Like out of safe routes to school or in the bike head plans, but this is going to be more than just planning. It's going to be more than just city. It's going to take partnerships. It's going to take a lot of work. And a lot of that in more detail is identified through like safe routes to school planning and our integration with um, human service providers for transit or paratransit. It's going to take, you know, public health and all of the things that represent 
this work. So it essentially references what you have up top, the Lawrence Bikes plan, the countrywide, the safe routes to school. So that's basically part of yes. it. Yes. So okay. it brings all of these plans into alignment to say, here together paints the entire picture for multimodal transportation. Although we don't, re these those plans are in very much detail, right? When we did those planning processes, we did a lot of detailed work about engagement or work around the, the existing conditions or priorities and goals in those areas. And so this plan is bringing that all together to paint the picture for the region. And after we adopt T2050, we will go and amend plan 2040 for transportation 2050 to be the transportation chapter of plan 2040. So it sets the regional objectives for work that then require changes to code to regulations to bylaws to you know whether that is at a city level to programmatic budgeting like strategic planning and work through through those sorts of elements but it then would be supported in this planning work perfect thank you that's that's helpful is there anything uh, as we go through this we i know we talked about some of those goals and strategies and fit in here was there anything that in, that's um, important to you, Charlie, mainly because, you know, some of those were more general and now we've added more yes. detail. Do you feel like? No, I, if I have, I did not have any problem okay. with it. Okay. Well, that's what I was, yeah, I was yeah. going to ask. Did you still have things that you felt like weren't clear? Okay. Thank you for having trust in us to get there. <laughs> I wonder, Jessica, how, how specific do you expect these uh, strategies to go or the, I'm not sure I get the right labels. The um, okay. go ahead, please. I sorry, well, I think we're making that determination. So I think it as you and I think there's probably some varying levels of specificity. And mm -hmm. let me explain what I mean by that. So for the for the bike and safe routes of school stuff, there are already standalone adopted plans that contain that content. So for this intent and purpose, we're trying to pull it in and tie it together, make the connection, right? To saying this is an integrated into the larger vision. For some, for some elements, like the city of Lawrence asset management or um, some of the transit stuff where there isn't an over, there may be like the route redesign and there may be some different elements, but there isn't an overarching operations plan that they have that lays out all of this in such detail, we've included more detail to make sure that we're filling the gap of where the need is, where there may not be detail in another existing plan. So in some sense, I think, and, and, I, and I even struggled with this as we were putting this together to try to tell the story is, how do you tell evenly the story throughout the objectives, but make sure where you need detail that you have it, but also that you aren't basic, you aren't rewriting these other plants, right? Because you would easily, there's hundreds of pages in these other plants that's telling the story. So I think that would be helpful to me if you see an area where you think there either isn't enough detail to support the movement we need to go in or that there's too much detail. I would be happy to entertain any of those and go back and look at them um, to have a specific conversation or make an assessment about that. But we tried to, as staff, make that determination based on what we know exists in all the plants. Sure. Well, one, one thing that has kind of stuck out to me, whether it's microtransit or ride sharing, um, designating more um, pickup and drop-off zones that won't interfere with normal traffic circulation. 
Uh, I think that's a multimodal concern, especially in areas like downtown or any kind of high volume areas where, you know, pickups and drop-offs can really uh, create unsafe conditions for pedestrians and also for, for other cars. Just to, and I didn't really see where that ought to belong. We typically we talk about, you know, transit and, and bicycles, pedestrians, but I think that's a real multimodal concern. Let me think about, let me think about that. Sure. Um, and I was going to go see if I think I could identify where I think that maybe belongs. And the increase in um, food deliveries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of stopped cars for that. Yeah, deliveries in general. Yeah, so some of those are land use issues. So I would think maybe it belongs there. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Let me write it down. I don't have an, an initial. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't quite sure where it belongs. Where's, yeah, I don't. Let me think about that. Jessica and David, I, I wonder if it could fit on the. Um, where it talks about integrate multimodal elements in project planning, design, construction, and maintenance. So it has to do with the complete streets policy um, to expand development code and street standards to support multimodal transportation. That is that get it, or at least in that area, maybe adding a little bit more detail or. That may be an option. I was also thinking in the space where it talks about emerging technologies, where some of that is emerging technologies and some of it is just changing trends. I can come up with something that reflects that. Sounds great. Thank you. And I think you're right in the sense that that's not identified anywhere else. So if we want to say something about that, we can do that here. We'll just kind of skim through this then as we go talk about, you know, some headers and see something, and you want to say something, we can have a chat about it. So ADA, um, right-of-way management, brick street and sidewalks, um, or your shared private and public micro-mobility, maybe it goes here, although these are kind of project-specific stuff. Um, uh, here's integrated planning with coordinated public transit human service providers. So thinking about like Cottonwood, Burton Ash, um, independency, uh, other service centers and coordinating work that's happening um, with our mobility manager. Um, deployment of range amenities and under the new bus stop improvement program. And Lawrence, wayfinding planning and implementation. I, I love the wayfinding. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, oh, God. I think that's an excellent thing to really bring in because we really, for our, uh, for bike and pedestrian, that's been a big issue for years is just being, uh, being able to tell people you're here. If you go this way or that way, you can get to a certain spot within a certain amount of time. 
and distance. Sure. When I read wayfinding, what in there is an actual thunder, <laughs> and then yeah, and there's an actual project in the CIP. So yeah, we're, yeah, those are those are the easy ones to write about, right? Because we know they're already committed um, and have going to happen. Passenger outreach and transits work on travel training um, for the statewide freight and uh, regional freight plan. We're going to be participating in. Um, here's a little bit about street design and placemaking. Um, here's the here's the other emerging technologies one I was thinking about in terms of uh, mm -hmm. opportunities for market-driven transportation. Um, some of that, you know, maybe how that integrates with land use here. This is, David, that's what I was thinking to the response of where you're thinking about making space for the operation of those services. Sure. Um, Thinking about equity in the decision-making process through public participation planning and um, data, like we've done, we'll show you a little more of in Chapter 7, and that you're going to see more kind of how that's integrated in some of the city processes, the city of Lawrence processes we're coordinating with them on um, inner-city commuter transit. Um, and so thinking about um, stops, uh, the I-70 corridor planning that KDOT's going to do, consideration of K-10 commuter planning um, related to Panasonic, um, implementation of service consistent, you know, the fare free and uh, route redesign um, in the hubs. I did like the, uh, some of the stuff where it was mentioned through the survey stuff, just in relation to, it was like integration with different county uh, cities, uh, integrating different types of transportation modules to help benefit the county. Yeah, and for the smaller cities. Yeah, And we have, a, and that's one of the other strategies up a little bit higher too, is our mobility managers working with um, Senior Resource Center and Independence Inc., which provide services outside of the city limits, which are valuable. But there's, there's I think, longer-term conversation about what does community service look like and access and the future but for job It's access. like, I think if there would, if, something that could be considered as a future thing into the CIP would be like a bike or pedestrian paths that go to like close city areas like Adora, you know. So there are some of those routes identified in the bikeway plan. Nobody's actively working on funding them yet, I think, because there are so many internal urban needs. Um, but there is, there are some, there is some of that in the bikeway plan. Okay. I wasn't sure because I knew the last time that I was aware of on that, on the bikeway plan, it was still not, hadn't even been mentioned. Well, there's lines like future bikeway, but in that, in that sense, it's been talked about. I don't know that it's been prioritized yet for funding commitment in terms of prioritized over urban infrastructure, because there's so much need internally to get people to services, school, jobs, work in terms of like priority network. It's not part of that, but it is part of a long-term. And then the other plan. thing I noticed, it was kind of interesting that because I've heard it myself, and I know you've heard it, is protect, uh, more use uh, from moving from sharrows and and other types of bike lanes to more protected. Yes, and so this plan integrates the bikeway plan, which speaks to what you're talking about for level of comfort for pe for people based on speed and volume. And so um, there's some other work happening that we mentioned also with multiple. I noticed. I noticed some. Mission. I noticed there was some CIP stuff that was mentioning uh, better pedestrian and bicycle kind of stuff that was being put in for the next CIP. Yes, I think you'll see more of that. And some of those projects are listed in here specifically. 
Okay. Um, we have route redesign. We have central station and downtown station. Details, here's some renderings. An actual construction project now. They approved the bid. Um, Carefree pilot, which began January 1st. Um, and some conversation about what impact um, we believe that benefit um, that will have and the evaluation that will need to happen after a year of that. Um, the commitment to Vision Zero Safety Action Plan, which the city and MPO made uh, by pursuing the federal grant for, uh, to USDOT. And so we talk about the need to do that work here. Um, we're talking about uh, emergency and disaster planning out of the emergency operations plan. Um, we talk about design being tied to uh, behavior um, and what we mean for that in terms of access management and uh, traffic calming and or traffic management. So is the, uh, the emergency operations plan, is that including FEMA in the conversation too? You know, I'm not, uh, I would assume they're included somehow because those are federally required plans that they produce. We are not involved in that process. Um, our transit providers represent and lead uh, the transportation response in terms of that. Okay. So we don't get uh, that heavily involved, but it is referenced in terms of bringing it together as part of the picture. Um, but I don't express I haven't, I hadn't heard any, of anything of that until just now. Until I was reading, I was like, oh, that's. Yeah, they have that. They work with a lot of providers. So they work, you know, with the pandemic. They had emergency response. They made plans for different scenarios. They do scenario planning. They prepare, you know, uh, tornado emergencies or other emergencies, natural disasters. They uh, have response and they coordinate that. Um, so transportation and transit security. Um, we have some very specific um, stuff around transit security and federal requirements. Um, we're talking here about climate impact, and we talk about the plan for climate action planning. Uh, we just give some high-level uh, strategies um, of things to consider that impact transportation. Uh, we're talking about travel demand management um, and how we use that as an integrated strategy uh, instead of capacity as a sole option. Uh, nature-based solutions, uh, street trees and green infrastructure, uh, transition to publicly funded vehicle fleets, right, to um, zero emission vehicles. Um, so Lawrence Transit has a plan they're working on, and the city of Lawrence has an electrify infrastructure and vehicle plan to meet the city's sustainability goals of so zero emissions by 2035. See that here. Um, here talks about context sensitive and transportation planning process that considers the multitude of issues and needs. Um, here's asset management and understanding your inventory and performance of the system. Um, this is pretty heavily dominated by the work the city of Lawrence has done on asset management, but it is, but, uh, includes you know, other asset considerations for performance in the plan. Um, uh, this is a federally required transit asset management plan, and this technical language of uh, transit vehicles have passed their useful life. Um, regional ITS deployment, uh, so implementing strategies like signal preemption or uh, bike warning systems or fiber or traffic detection. So this is all pretty technical back-end programming that uh, improves how transportation operates. Um, here's some transit solutions specifically for transit um, service improvements. I, 
I thought that was, again, I had to admit, I haven't been on the bus or at the bus, but when I saw the technology things in there that are going to happen, I thought, wow, that is great. That that should help everybody. Yeah. Transit has been really successful at um, writing some grants, and their most recent access and innovation and collaboration grants are going to bring a lot okay. of technology. It's really exciting. Yeah, I, yeah. I loved it when I read that. Yeah. Well, it's like on the technology side and access, yeah, they've been way behind for a long, way too long. Yeah, I think they'll have this extra money that they've gotten from as a state resource for their for their work allows them to do a lot more than they've been able to do. So, okay, um, we go through the travel demand modeling, which you've seen. This is the text version of kind of what you saw in terms of um, from Mark. Um, it does have updated. Um, We've solved a couple of problems that we were having with the model, which is kind of exciting, but it does show you the difference and we're, we're, we have to transfer all of this mapping to our GIS out of the TransCAD model. So we'll, these maps in the final plan will look formatted like every other map. We haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, we're working on it. Uh, but this, this should show you the same thing. We were talking about some different development scenarios. Uh, for the planning process, we show you no, no, doing nothing, no project, no transportation projects it contains versus um, our scenario of, uh, under the growth tiers uh, for City of Lawrence specific, although I have some county images I need to get in here also that we'll have in here that show that in terms of you see most of the congestion within the City of Lawrence. Um, and then uh, in a more denser scenario, and you notice some subtle differences, um, you have to really flip between these. For the plan, we uh, chose this growth under plan 2040 tiers, admitting that this would require code changes that we have that are being discussed as part of land development code, but not yet um, in uh, land development code or regulation. So this is not yet uh, the place where we could uh, choose it as the preferred scenario for the plan. Um, but recognizing that the more density you put inside the more system, uh, Kind of congestion you're going to start to see on as some of these segments flip more of the segments flip to um, less desirable level of service as you put more stress on the network um, and that's been again assuming that you haven't um, done you know it's without the assumption that you've done travel demand management and mode shift and so it will put more pressure on the system to do some of those things and so I I saw uh, what 140 some acres south of the bypass and east of 59, that area right there. Is any of that figured in to this for development? So here is our right. Right there, yeah. Yeah, so that's, okay. those are the representative growth that is planned within those okay. things under the scenario that we have chosen. Okay. So you'll see also Eudora has a lot of Southern growth also represented by their comprehensive plan and uh, the assumptions around Panasonic in addition to that. Okay. I should have seen that, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> didn't notice it. Yeah. And again, these are all scenarios and we do this every five years. So we'll make new scenarios in another five years. Um, there's a lot of guessing that happens in this. I mean, we some of the last minute um, 
changes that we also made was in relation to the KU project announcement and the density in relation to some of the, the anticipated growth of housing and some and some internal um, city infrastructure. Um, you know, that you you can see represented here related to some plans that are either underway or have been uh, addressed with planning commission. Okay. And so we, you have to stop at some point and we keep trying to take the most information available to us about what's happening based on our work with the director of um, planning and development services. And so we take all those assumptions or from the city of Fedora based on work they're doing in terms of efforts. And we say, okay, that's our stopping point. Here's our assumptions. Um, and, and then of course, you know, announcement comes out and you're like, okay. Um, so when this does reflect our best guess, of course, um, I think it does. It, I, I was surprised about just a couple things as you get into uh, these, and we're going to dive into some of them more, but I mean, obviously, this is probably not a surprise to anybody if you see without projects on K-10, we're experiencing, you know, at, at probably peak some of this now, um, although the model didn't, didn't replicate all of that um, in terms of what's happening, because the model has more free flow speeds in some of those areas, but um, clearing, you know, you clear some of that up with this project, and you can see here, um, you know, how 6th Street without a capacity improvement to support development that would be in this area proposed under that growth tier that um, once you move, you know, in this, this scenario where we took 50% of the growth that was out here and put it within the city limits instead, um, you can see that the, there's less um, congestion and demand kind of on this external network where you would see that change um, in the things. Uh, so that was just kind of, that was kind of surprising. Probably from the other difference, we cleared up some of our ramp issues. Um, we had some conversations with KDOT to clarify some design stuff that, that cleared that up. But um, yeah, so I want some bridge things. This is the projects when we, when we, again, when we're talking about fiscally constrained, this is saying here's the estimate for these projects. Many of them are in committed CIPs but also that we have reasonable revenue to expect these project work to be done. We're showing you the yellow area in here is the environmental justice zone. Um, that's gonna be important as we get into chapter seven and start to talk about what we, what we believe impacts are. So you'll see all of these project numbers, not green flags because the numbers don't coordinate, but they tie to numbers in our, they're in your numbering because they tie to numbers in our transportation improvement program. So. They don't mean anything to anybody except for us just to tie them together because you can't put projects in that plan unless they're in here. But um, they tied to the, any project on the map so you can kind of see what is happening um, in relation to those, those projects in the region. There's a lot of additional funding that's maybe um, you can see in this O&M operations and maintenance category activities. And then there's also uh, other local capital projects. So both the city of Lawrence and the county um, they have other capital projects that may be happening, but they're not on collector or above streets. And so they aren't regionally significant and they get programmed as just a general lump sum um, in terms of in terms of the project. But it could be it can be a significant investment still happening um, in relation to some of the projected uh, funding. And so we make that determination. And you can see in here um, where we're we're looking at those 
projects and programs. Um, again, here's the step KDOT has planned, and you'll note that we have a couple of projects we've slated for um, the 26 uh, 2030 band, but they have not yet been committed for construction by KDOT. But we're assuming that they're in the pipeline, and we uh, anticipate they would be by by that point in time. So we then also have uh, this illustrative project list, and this this was really uh, developed based on. Um, Things we've seen in, in planning processes, so things that are unfunded projects, um, things that are were in the previous T2040 but that are not fund, committed for funding. Um, this is additional work that has been developed but yet doesn't have funding commitments. So anything that's on this list or other projects, um, if we want federal money with them or they're regionally significant, we'll require an amendment to this plan in the future to incorporate them. We also added a note just to make it clear because we don't list specific standalone bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure on this list. Our assumption is that standalone bicycle infrastructure identified in those plans, so thinking about all the sidewalk gaps or bikeway gaps, or um, if they're not, if they exceed the available funding, then they should also be considered illustrative. And this is really a statement that. Uh, allows us to justify that with in our federal process to say, you know, they're they're planned, they're just not listed on this list. This is typically just a, a road and bridge list. So um, some of this may be familiar, some of it may not be in terms of different um, things that have been discussed over time and prioritized or unprioritized um, and now are included. So is the 6th Street to North Park Street, is that the one that's going over uh, over the river? Uh, U.S. 40 extension of 6th Street to our serial standards from, uh, I don't know, this is John, this one? Uh, uh, no, the one that's uh, Project Route Massachusetts Street, and then this from 6th uh, to North Park? No, North Park Street's like in South Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is like Massachusetts Street. So. Okay. Yeah, so this is a project envisioning kind of the recreate the recreation of that street. Basically redoing the downtown uh, district. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's chapter six. Any questions, comments, anything you think you think is missing, anything we should talk about? I, I don't know if this is related to chapter six, but talking about, you know, potential funding and strategic, being strategic in the language, uh, thinking about all the money that the city is investing in homelessness and affordable housing, um, uh, thinking about being strategic with that, it might be something to consider. I don't know where it would fit in here or how it how it would go or if it's already included, but- um, well, Let me show you what I think. It could be, it could be grant that money. that was talked about know? as part of uh, the uh, environmental justice zones. Okay, cool, cool. I, so, I can just see like federal money potential there since the city's making that investment. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to find, we, we don't have to go back and find no, no, I it. Wanted, I, I wanted to show you this one statement we have where we talk about land development code and we're talking about uh, construct, we're talking about density um, and also uh, 
preventing low density sprawl, but we also talk about making space for people of all ages and income levels by setting appropriate citywide policies to maintain and encouraging housing variety and affordability. Um, I think that's our tie to that. Do you think that's? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, oh. I'm like always speculating on grants and what, I, and I don't know this this grant world. So if there was yeah, money, so mostly this would be money to be had and we need to, if we could, if we wrote this in a certain way that could get us that money is all I'm thinking. I don't think we have limited ourselves by how we have written it. Cool. Okay. Okay, chapter seven. So this is admittedly, I think one of the most challenging chapters for us to write because it's asking us to take all of these projects which have mostly been developed by our project sponsors. Um, and it's asking us to assess the, what we anticipate the implementation impacts of these projects to be. And so we have a project description, we have a, a basic understanding of you know, the needs that we believe there are in relation to pavement condition and safety and bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure. And we're trying to tell the story about how we think that's gonna impact the community at large, safety, our performance measures, safety benefit, um, our environmental justice zones, our transportation disadvantaged populations. Um, and we're trying to do that in a way that gives information and shares data uh, with the information that we have. And so, we have shown you here in terms of our legal obligation under the environmental justice for the fair treatment of all races, cultures, incomes regarding um, regarding uh, the, the impacts of the projects and the work that we're doing to prevent uh, denial or reduction in benefits and their full and fair participation and uh, to avoid, minimize, or mitigate disproportionately high or adverse uh, impacts uh, from the work that's being proposed. And so we took um, that approach to understand, to assess all of the projects and we provided you a list and described a high level project type. So thinking about, you know, conventionally over time, most highway projects are expansion projects. Um, there's also preservation projects, which we're talking about replacing to maintain condition. Um, then there's modern, a project is modernization where maybe uh, it could be pres preservation, but it's also modernization because the standards you're incorporating now are introducing a lot more maybe safety benefit or new standard benefit uh, to modernize the road. Um, so you can see Queens Road is an example of something we classified as a modernization. Um, and then we have some projects that are specific bicycle pedestrian that are standalone. That doesn't mean that some of these other projects don't include bike pen. And we've been, so we kind of tell that story by what we um, anticipate here for um, at a high level of our cursory review of this is what do we believe are the benefits uh, that this project is going to offer um, based on what elements of it are currently proposed. Granted, we don't know all the, you know, all the designs haven't been completed for these projects. So it just, if the project says it includes bike pad infrastructure, we don't know specifically maybe what might be included. It may be a shared use path. It may be a protected bike lane. It may be- uh, Or just a simple- Or just a-, a Simple marked lane. Yeah, a side, sidewalk. So we have, we are making these assumptions just kind of using like bike and multimodal facilities. Well, it may just improve sidewalks or it may improve other things. We're using the information that we have. So this is kind of that table. We believe all the projects have some sort of benefit to the region. 
as part of their uh, initiative and how they've been prioritized. And this kind of tells uh, that story here. We'll tie it a little bit later to the goals uh, under the plan, and you can see that. So again, here's a zoom in um, that's showing the environmental justice zones and those projects. This is an assessment, so you can see how we've assessed whether those projects are adjacent to or within an environmental justice zone. So a lot of conventional, there are 12 of 12 of the projects are in um, are, are within JZone or adjacent to it that we consider that within. Um, we also know that 42% of all the households in the county are within those EJ zones. And so you can see uh, where we talk a little bit about how each project we anticipate to impact um, those zones and we, you know, we recognize that 11 of those projects and also include whether or not they're standalone by head projects include improvements to multimodal facilities. And so that can mean a lot of different things, um, like I just explained. Um, so we're just showing that here. Here is a similar analysis where you see the transportation uh, disadvantaged populations where we've built a separate analysis. Some of you may be familiar with this where we're looking at data from the census about people who have less than high school education, minorities, single parent households, zero vehicle households, populations under 18, over 65, um, and the higher points that are represented by the red color as opposed to the blue color on the other end of the spectrum represent areas where we there's a greater deviation than the average. And we would expect that there could be higher potential disadvantage to people who live within those areas um, based on um, demographic characteristics. Um, and so we did this uh, similar thing where we're showing you that data. We then have this analysis of uh, transit fixed route where we're showing that same summary. We believe um, that based on the proposed 2023 bus service, 88% of households in EJ zones will have access within a quarter mile of a bus stop. And that compares to only 76% of households in the city at large. And so that ties directly to some city and more strategic plan measures, but also one of our performance measures. And so we're discussing that and should you can see uh, we believe that's not only a, a choice, it's a, not only a result of it being in Egypt area, but also because there's density and population in those areas. And so a lot of that frequency of service and service that you're seeing is a, res is a result of that and correlation of that. And so you're going to see that and you can see that story here that we just told about population and why that's um, in, in services uh, frequency of that area related to the University of Kansas primarily. But um, you can see here's our, you know, our buffer and how that's all calculated. Here's again, uh, here's a zero vehicle households, and you can tell obviously this is hard to see when we need to fix this. Um, it's it's very hard to see. I was squinting at the thing. I was like, uh, yeah, what? Yeah, and you can see there's no here. We need to fix this. We know that. Um, there's too much information on this map. Um, but we'll we'll fix that. Um, and so we have a conclusion uh, about transit. Um, and about our performance measures and our terms of impact there. Um, we then look at all of our transit impacts um, to the performance measures. And this is, this is hard because um, we try to give you some examples of the types of improvements that are proposed in the plan and the impacts we believe that they'll have to safety. Um, and so we try to do some description about uh, different proposed elements of the projects and how we anticipate that could impact safety. 
Um, and then we uh, show you on a higher level about which elements of the projects we believe um, will have safety improvements. Um, obviously, all these designs aren't complete, so this is a really this is a high level analysis of us understanding everything. We've tied all of these projects to uh, where we believe they impact our goal areas um, for for each of these projects. That's did included. you do all of this? Well, yes, with some help. I got some other. <laughs> She's got some interns at her belt. I got some other planners that have helped me with this over the last few weeks. I mean, when I went through this and, and read it, I just thought, wow. I mean, this is whatever, three-dimensional chess. I mean, this is just, I mean, I was just amazed at reading things and how it fit together. Well, and how this. Cool. Yeah, I know, I know, but I, I just. Yeah. I had a hard time getting my head wrapped around this. But like I said, I, I read all of it and talked and did. I, I just thought this was terrific. Well, thank you. Terrific. So yeah. we, we know there are still spelling errors and some oh, formatting yeah. issues. <laughs> we know that. Um, I, I told Charlie earlier, I said, it's 80%. So give, give us a little bit of like ability to fine tune it. Have faith in us. I didn't And some of the maps and the... Yeah. But the thought, yeah. but the I have, detail. There's, there's a bunch of different people helping work on this on different components of it. And I'm trying to wrangle it all together. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so here we talk a little more about, you know, at a high level about how we believe it's impact pavement and bridge condition and system performance and transit and my head goals um, and all of that over time. And now you can see why I say this is like the, one of the harder things to do because we're taking the information we have high level about a project and making assumptions about what we think the impacts of that project and that work is going to be. Um, and then we're going to, sh we're showing some data in here in terms of uh, thinking about, um, you know, starting to understand. And a lot of this happens in the project design phase. Um, and we, we know that, that many of the, you know, we're showing you a deeper evaluation of potential impacts should be, should be done by local governments in these processes. But we're showing you at a high level how this relates to things we know that exist in our county in terms of floodplains and wetlands or, and our projects, in terms of protected soils or other environmentally sensitive areas. This is, a, this is another one you can see where we got some stuff going on. We need to edit. Um, missing projects here, you know, in terms of, you know, some of our intensity of different things. So we'll get those fixed, fixed up, um, you know, here's historic resources. And so, you know, projects that have are within these areas have separate consideration. Um, and they'll, and those project sponsors do that work when we do that. And so we have some strategies about them, context sensitive solutions and other mitigation, um, but not project specific, but that identifies approaches we should take in the region to address those environmental impacts. Um, out of that work. That's chapter seven. Any conversation about what you saw or the, what we presented chapter seven? I'm glad you brought up the issues around map design. Um, as a cartographer, I had a few observations on uh, figures seven, four, seven, five, and seven, six. You already called attention to some of these. Yes. Um, and they mostly had to do with um, as you put it, too much information, or at least um, layering the information where yes. discrete information, you know, like here we've got the university hidden by two other layers of information. Yes. Um, which one, which well, number is that? Parks, which is the color that's like also on the map. Exactly. Yep. So like different so, spectra, like so having, having your, 
There's Sorry, probably been five different people who have helped do different phases of this document just in GIS on mapping. Yeah. And so sure. they export something and you get to a deadline, you're like, this is this is what we have today. Yeah. This is no, what we um, have today. And I think that's seven six, right? Yeah. So on seven yeah. four, um, that you have a kind of a dominance of blue between the least dense and water. Yes. Uh, so that that's just one observation. And then on seven five, the same thing between water and the one, uh, quarter mile bus route buffer, yeah. just lots of blue. Yes. Yeah. So those were the kind of the uh, formal observations. But thank you. I'll uh, I'll match Charlie for the wonder at uh, what you've pulled together. It's it's very yes. impressive. So it isn't just my old eyes that uh, <laughs> have difficulty distinguishing. Well, it's uh, even, uh, even, I was, yeah, even my forty-year-old eyes. <laughs> it's a testament to why we have experts in this world. Yes, um, one of one of the people working on these, two of the people working on these, have different color vision issues. Oh, uh -huh. they are different. So that also is has been fun to learn and try to navigate. So. Sure. But I can appreciate that. And we can always, I think some of those things, like if we get into the 30 day public comment period and we still don't have it right, like we can still, we just have to change colors. We can fix that. If that's not a, that's not a content, it, it makes it obviously easier to interpret and understand, but we're not changing data. And so I feel like we will continue to work on those. If you continue to see stuff, we will welcome any of those comments when we get to there. Dave. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's the bulk of the new content. But I would say many of these other chapters you either have seen at an earlier version or stuff has changed. I mentioned chapter five. Chapter two has a lot of new content, some of it in relationship to early feedback we got about electric vehicles and air quality um, and other things. Is, is there, I would also point out, uh, we've uh, presented the system performance report. That's the one I would probably choose to look at real quick if everybody's okay with that. Um, just in terms of this, some of this is, the, is our very technical report, um, but all of this data is also in the plan or if it's not, we have to amend a few spots where it is still, I noticed, isn't. But um, this lays out all of the performance measures we have um, for transportation 2050. Um, it tells you if it's a local measure or a federal measure. Um, how often we update the data and our source of the data. Um, and you'll see some of these, like our safety targets, they are federally prescribed. Or the, the way we measure safety, there's five safety measures and targets, and they're federally prescribed. They say, you will measure them this way. This is how it works. Um, so some of them, we have less flexibility and choice over, and you'll see that on any of these pages when it's federally required, they told us how they're going to measure it. They want to be able to look at any MPO region across the country and look at how the MPOs perform. Why were, oh, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Why were some of these 2023 and 2027, there were different dates? That all relates to how often we update them. Oh, okay. So the safety targets okay. have to be updated every year. So the, tar the target you set is for the next year. Okay. So for some of the targets, if it's a five-year target, if it's five years, yeah. you set it out five okay. years, and then you hope to get there by five years, and when you get to five years, you redo it. So most all of that, and we don't set targets. We haven't set targets for any local measures. We set targets for federally prescribed measures. Okay. So... 
That's a little bit different. The city of Lawrence has uh, some some targets that overlap the some performance measures that overlap these in the strategic plan, and they have set some targets for those measures. However, they're reporting only Lawrence data as opposed to countywide data, and so there's some we didn't report their specific targets or goals in here because that's it's confusing, right? Because we may share all of the city's data, but we're operating and presenting this as a region. So you can see if it's if it's available in a lot of places, we've given we have given as much information as we can broken down to the local level. That's something our local project sponsors, um, our local governments that we work with have said they, they would like to see because it helps them use this data um, internally um, and intentionally to understand how um, they rate in relationship to all of the other government agencies in the, in the county or, or other things. We've had conversations in a lot of different, at a lot of different levels, primarily the city of Lawrence and also through all of our mode planning, because there's some specific performance measures that dive down into goals related to some of the mode specific plans. And we do performance reporting as part of that, that BMPO also uh, does regularly. Um, some of those are part of this and some of them aren't. Um, so you can kind of skim through and see this at a, at a level, um, you know, some of them uh, it, whenever the data is available to us. So you'll see some of the performance stuff was challenging to do because of when the data was either last available or how often it's been updated um, or changes in process. Um, and this is really our best kind of picture, as you can see. Lawrence, like you can see, they only have one year um, they changed how their data collecting and they asked us not to yeah. compare them next to each other. So we can't tell a story there because the data won't tell that story. Yeah, so, the future that. so in some of those cases, we're limited by what's available to us since we are not typically collecting the data and information. Um, and that limits us a lot in terms of how we can tell the story about what's happening in, in the region in terms of performance. Um, but this may be interesting to you to look at. This is our second long-range plan that has performance-based planning. And so we have a lot more history of data in some of these measures that kind of gives starts to give you the indication. And you'll see like as we continue to update it and do our next plan, we're going to be able to continue to tell the story about what's happening um, in terms of investment and in terms of uh, things that are happening. So uh, any questions about this or any of the other chapters? Anybody want me to... Um, look at or talk about. And again, I'll refer back to Dot's earlier question that he asked. Please take time to look at this. We're trying to get content out as much as we can give you, recognizing you'll see some stuff in here that's missing. That's we got an extra period or an extra space. There's some weird formatting stuff. We're, we know that we're going to keep fixing that. But if you see content stuff that you'd like addressed, Tuesday is best. If you can get it before Tuesday, that helps me edit it before it goes out for public comment um, or be able to address it. Even if it's after that, it's not too late. Still send it to us. Um, we will address it as it needs to be addressed. David, I saw you raise your hand. Yeah. Um... I just have a, qu a question about the appendices or a couple of questions. One, I really liked Appendix A, really, really helpful to have that reference to go back to whenever acronyms are used and, and uh -huh. sources are cited. Um, one thing I wonder for the sources that are cited, 
do you plan to include either hyperlinks in the in the PDF version or actual URLs associated uh, in the print version? Uh, we typically do hyperlinks, so we could add URLs if you think that's helpful for people. I just I think, think either way. I mean, this is we will do hyperlinks. This just got exported without checking the box in InDesign that said include links. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, my other question is about uh, uh, appendices B through D. What are those? Okay, well, <laughs> a B is public engagement. Oh, I see. So Got it. I just okay. didn't put it back down here. A is glossary. B yep. is public engagement. C, I don't know. I have to go look. You're asking me to memorize something. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Uh, one of D is the model, the model development, and I have, I'm writing that now, but that's part of my formatting of the maps. Okay. Uh, let me go look at the other one. I'm going to laugh when I don't remember what it is. Do you know what I mean? Oh, those will be included in the draft regardless. Oh, so. D is, is the approval. Uh, D is the approval resolution. Okay. So I, you're not miss. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So here, model development. This just like this has a few more extra maps in the model development that shows like where the external stations are, which are the points where we did traffic counts at the border. It has like some technical stuff that basically explains how the model works. Cool. And I'm, I, I'm working on this. And this is obviously after it's adopted. Got it. Cool. Very, so very good. Thank you. You have most everything. This one relies on me being able to get all those maps out of TransCAD and into GIS. So. Fantastic. Look forward to it. Thank you. For, for me, it was really interesting, the public engagement and seeing all the comments that were in there and the, the, the different ideas that people had. I, I loved the one, and I know it isn't going to happen, or I presume it won't happen. Shutting down Massachusetts Street and turning it in uh, parts to turn it into a pedestrian street. Yeah, I I love that idea. I think it's a good one, but I, I, even myself, I I don't think there's even a, a, some form of compromise will happen because. <laughs> Well, and the downtown development plan did not include that as a recommendation right. or a strategy, so we did not. That's a more specific plan. We did not em, em, embark on that. And then one little thing. So out in the country, it showed North 600 Road, which is close to me, as going through east-west through the end of Lone Star Lake, the road that, that goes there, and that was one of the east-west, uh, whatever, the big roads that they were talking about. I, who does that? Who made that decision? Because that that can't work. Isn't that a gravel road? If I remember, well, it is gravel. But I mean, the I mean, we're talking hilly and tight turns and around the end of the lake and and I forget where I I saw this. You're talking here. Are you talking about bike head or are you talking about? Here's 600 Road yes. down here, and that whatever the title of it is is the major route, and that goes through Lone Star Lake. And 
kept over here. And this is a, I hate to even drive it, and I drive it frequently. So, two things. This map is, so this map is our federal functional classification map. It's not used locally for anything. Oh, okay. So the only thing this does is tell eligibility of federal funding and ability to, to get give money federal to funding and God bless it. So, so this, this, so we're, we got comments about updating. We have a content update in terms of, I'm not sharing my screen. Let me, sorry, you should all say something to me when I do that. Um, Charlie was talking about this route here. And you can see it's designated in purple as a major collector um, in the county network, but this is on our MPO federal functional classification map. And this map is a, a federally required map and it's not used locally for anything. So it's used for the feds to determine what's eligibility for funding, what's part of the national highway system, which relates to performance reporting. So anything that's an arterial or higher, so these red lines, um, part of the national highway system, and that relates to the performance reporting we're required to do, but it has no local implications in terms of access management or design or all of those things. The so, things that are tied to the local stuff is related to the Douglas County has an access management map, and that would be what they use to make determinations about. Um, so it seems like in my exactly uh, impact operation. Okay. The area where Pinckney is is, uh, is considered pretty high up on the list for uh, on the for a lot of the roads. I'm sorry, I didn't say that again. <laughs> sorry. Uh, what I was saying is the uh, the area that appears to be around where Pinckney is. It's like a lot of them are major. Look like they're classified as major roads for a good chunk of them. Yeah, this is Sixth Street, so just be this right here. Uh -huh. Excuse me. Yeah, so it's like this is like up Michigan at Fourth Street. Some of this is about this map has again, this is not used for operations. It has a lot of very specific rules. You have to have certain percentages of each classification. You have to have you can't terminate a lower class into a higher class. It has to connect at the same level each time you go up a classification. Um, it has no local operational okay. impacts. Okay. Great. Um, all right. So tell me uh, the, the transfer station that is being built. I mean, is that just going to be terrific for... Uh, bus transportation. What's it called? The, yeah, the central station. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we show these conceptual renderings. Uh -huh. um, this is this. If you look at the uh, route redesign um, that they're proposing in terms of access. Um, all operate out of this central station. And I believe there's going to be lots of benefits to people about uh, being able to restructure and have a place that has resting area and has um, interior bike storage um, and a lot of other amenities. And there's a lot more detail kind of about that project um, and the implementation of that um, in terms of the bays 
and a covered waiting area for transfers um, that will have a lot of benefit. I, we believe, uh, you know, transit beliefs for transit passengers. They have a second phase of that, obviously, and which is going to be the downtown part, which has been put on, um, you know, a future year in terms of talking about what we're looking at. That has at. been hubba dubba and the money is... Yeah. This, you say, you this, say they've started to do things with it? I haven't driven out there to look. For this? Uh-huh. Um, they just, I think, approved the contract with the firm to build it this week on city commission. Okay. So, um, yeah, they had to finish finalized land agreements with KU and do some other stuff, and I believe that was all on city commission this week. Okay. So, yeah. Um, you think that's going to be good? Yeah, I think okay. they've been working on something for over a decade. Okay. Multiple times and it's know. been brought up for like multiple yeah. years. And it's so like for the multiple years. It was just shot down. It wasn't until within the last five, ten years when it really was starting to get took seriously. Tried to do one there at across from Allen Field House on the parking lot on the so yeah, that's a, that's and that was yeah, and that was kaputed. We we did three different studies. Three different consultants got paid to do site selection studies for this facility over time. Okay. Yeah, so it will be nice for them, uh, for transit to be able to operate out of there and um, they'll have customer service right at that area, like a desk um, where they'll be able to help people in restrooms. There will be a lot of nice amenities for passengers okay. who use transit. Good, good. You probably saw on the plan we talk about connections to Greyhound potential yeah, or K10. I saw, that, I saw that. That those some of those connections will bring even people who ride the K10 connector from Johnson County right in to access all of the services. Um, so there will be some nice yeah. benefits. Good. Any other thoughts or questions? Otherwise, we'll talk about I have just a few more things. All right. So we, we talked about a little bit before we have this process. We're getting ready to, uh, if you have any other feedback to give us as we work on a draft to send to the MPL policy board, um, we would accept that from you in any way that you want to give that to us. We will be uh, getting a, the, our final export ready next week. On Thursday is when we will post the agenda uh, on the 12th for the meeting that's happening on the 19th. Of, of the MPO policy board. Um, and then we will have a 30 day public comment period. We'll put the document out for public comment um, and see what comment we get uh, in relation to what we're proposing. Uh, and then we will, following that public comment period, we will be scheduling a meeting with you to bring back to you before policy board approval. It'll be a tight fit. Um, so don't wait to read this. If you haven't read all the con some of the content, Look at it before you get to that point. It's been um, a while since I've read the whole thing. So it's like, I'm going to be going over again. Yeah. And so um, we'll bring back to you also the comment we received in our response to it uh, before. So you can have final input on that uh, before we go back to MPO Policy Board if you have any additional comments uh, for Policy Board before they consider approval. That's kind of our process. If anybody has any other comments or questions, I'd be happy to talk about anything anybody wants to talk about. Hello, another thing I'd bring up, the part you had in here on safety. Uh, so some of the comments from 
whether it was two or 200 cyclists, about where are the bike racks and uh, talking, ha having them in the backs and the alleys of the buildings that are off mass is a terrible place to have them at night and bike theft. Is that an issue? Oh, yes. In Lawrence, it's a, uh, it's a major, major issue. On average, the it's a very uh, uh, a very high rate that happens because bicycle theft is an issue. And, and so I didn't specifically see, and maybe that was just understood. Are the bike racks that most people have out in back of the buildings? Because that seems like so at night terrible. I mean, downtown has some certain provisions in relationship to uh, the parking, um, the bicycle parking and the development code. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably has to be considered there because right now uh, in 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 the code, uh, the bicycle parking was previously to the previous amendment was tied to the auto parking. And so it was a provision of the auto parking, which does did downtown have any requirements for auto parking? Right. If you're in the central business district, which meant they had no requirements to add bicycle parking. So that's been a contention um, in relationship to determining whose responsibility is it to install bicycle parking in the downtown? Is it um, the developer or land, you know, land development responsibility, or has it been the public responsibility to and that's do that? been something that's been not just downtown district, but network uh, network wide through the whole city. Yeah, but the rules are different for downtown. And there are, historically, they've been different for downtown in terms of requirements for bike parking. And all of the bike parking that's been installed downtown has been installed by the city, which means it's been installed in the public right away, as opposed with a few exceptions. Maybe I'm so tell me what that means to us as a committee. It is out of our purview. No, it just it just would be something that needs to be considered in a land development code update. It's which they're doing right now. Yeah, which the city is doing right, right now. Yes. So it'll be something we'll, we'll be looking for when we review it as staff in that process. Um, but it's been something recognized as part of the bike plan. So I think in that sense, I don't know that we have to call it out specifically. It's addressed. It's addressed. And we also have a downtown uh, bicycle parking analysis that we've done. So, um, and there's there are can, provisions in it in that document also. Okay. I'll show you. I'll send you the link to that. Okay. okay. And, and that just jumped out at me that that seemed to be an issue on bike theft and where the facilities are to park and is it dangerous and. and I think you know, with the last, so they're in what, two years ago? No, I don't think that. Three. Three years ago, the, the amendment to the parking lot for the development code. David, how long ago was that? Bicycle, I don't know. But we amended the, the code got amended around bicycle parking. And there's now provisions for short-term and long-term bicycle parking. And a lot of the provisions around the use of bicycle parking and how we develop that as the community develops and the requirements around that. Um, they have, there's different safety provisions that the Association of Bicycle and Pedestrian Professionals recommend for what type of parking you have. And 
long, long-term bicycle parking, like what I showed you, you could kind of see inside of the window at the new trend. Uh, right, that's station. what triggered my thing. So that um, is now required with certain types of development, long-term or secured bicycle parking. And so there is now two, if for different types of development based on the warrants, right, in the code, there's different provisions for types of bicycle parking and standards for those parkings of which long-term parking is usually either enclosed in a separate additional cage or is inside of a building. And there have been now um, commercial and, and uh, higher density residential housing projects that have to accommodate long-term bike parking or storage that's in addition to just their short-term storage. Pay attention to it on, on site plans. Okay. You'll see it. Well, we did on, on I forget what the name of it was, where they, they, had, they had that that we approved. Uh, so, but I'm just thinking, yeah. Whatever the and I, and I do think there's the, more that needs to be done probably on the downtown side, but there, it's the, the downtown's always been uh, kind of touchy when it comes up for uh, with changes. That and from what I've seen, it's been touchy. Because if I'm going to ride my bicycle, I live wherever uh, downtown. It, it seems like. I don't know. You know, I can come up with stupid things, I suppose. So you, but, but when when it seems like there were there was more than one comment about it not being safe to have them parked out in back of the buildings, that that would be an issue to get it in front of the buildings, down where the restaurants are, where the I'm going to ride my bike. I want to come downtown and have my bike locked up downtown in on Massachusetts street, someplace like that, <laughs> instead of in back of those buildings. But is that? No, it's true. Okay. And I have done some work. <laughs> so, you have done a lot of work. Done some work. <laughs> um, so what I'm sharing is a, so the second time we did an update to the downtown bicycle parking um, and amenities policy document where we assessed um, the location and uh, type of bicycle parking across the downtown. And we looked at quadrants. Um, this was this was before the installation of the bike corrals, which we worked on that project, and so, or this was after that. Um, and so it includes that, but we looked at the total capacity for bicycle parking downtown and there in the provisions for, um, we went out and observed actual bicycle parking, like how what capacity uh, the racks were at um, and made recommendations about the density and recommendations of bicycle parking. And as a result, um, works through a grant process to get additional bicycle parking installed. That's not back alley. That was front street. It, we just didn't go back and nobody went back and removed that parking that was there because it was also still in some cases being used. Yeah. Well, it's like it, even it was like it's like even now it's like even downtown with what's there currently, it still overflows for bicycle parking to where it's very hard to. When it fills up, it fills up, and it stays filled up. But here's the provision you're talking about, which is the guide 
this guide, the APBD guide, no, there's the specific measurements, 50 feet or within a 30 second entrance is what their recommendation is for parking, for bicycle parking. And so you're right, those back out, many of those back alley spots, if they're in the parking lot, probably don't meet that 50 foot requirement. Yeah, and it, probably just my own ignorance of I'm not seeing the things, knowing uh, that was just a, yeah, seemed like a, I only noticed the things maybe that I'm interested in. And that was one of the things that jumped out at me. And that would be one of the things, I guess, we talk about bicycle end trip amenities. And I don't know that we need more detail than that in here because there's other works we run okay. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Just that, showing you this work. Yeah. But I believe there's still work that can happen under that and be supported by T2050 okay. as it is. It, yeah, it's like a lot of, uh, for bicycle parking, yeah, that's one of the, uh, if I remember right, it's been one of the ongoing issues that the planning has been trying to address. And it's not, they've, I don't know the right words to use, use for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the code, the code has been amended. We've worked on some public projects, and I think there will probably be additional changes in I would think in land development code, depending on how parking ties happen and what happens with downtown in terms of parking requirements. Okay. Great. I, I haven't. I didn't ride my bicycle, nor. <laughs> oh, it's like I've been involved in so many of the bicycle stuff. So it's like, it's hard to kind of. Are you unmuted? I think you were going to say something. No, no, no. Nobody has anything else. I'll let you all go. Thank you so much for your time. We'll be in touch for with a meeting scheduler to schedule a final meeting once we get our document out for a 30 day public comment period. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great evening.